coming up on Facts from the Stacks. My grandmother would say, make your palate. I was going to say, okay, I didn't know. We don't use that in the West Coast. But yeah, yeah, when you're talking about literally when you're any man I've met here and you're talking about sleeping over your grandmother's house when you were a child. Make your palate. Your palate, yes, (laughs) is your group of cloths. Yeah. Welcome back, all you language lovers. Hello. So today on Facts from the Stacks, we're going to be talking about language. Language. Um, This is the first of our, like, Dewey Decimal Roulette. Yes. Like, see what topic we get. Um, So we got a very general 400. Nice. Which is languages. Um, So... Yeah, that's what we got today. Woo! Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson Madison County Library, is your library news and book based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump our other library staff. Before we jump into all that, as per usual, we have to do recently borrowed. Look, she's still reading Cersei. Yeah. And that's just, that's what we're doing. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. Um, I've not been able to get too much further in it, but I have been enjoying like I'm pretty sure I said before, it's very, it's just so poetic and it's also beautiful. Mm. And like in planning for the big read and like reading over quotes to see what we can use on bookmarks and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, these quotes are like really so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great book. I've been enjoying it. So nice. we've got a whole two weeks until Cersei. So. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited to read it. What about you? Um, I just finished on audio uh, Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. I'm not familiar with her. It's a nonfiction book, and it's basically about, um, like, equitably sharing the domestic duties in your household with your partner. Very important. Yeah. It was really interesting. I liked it. I don't know that I, like... 100% 100% agreed with all that she pitched. Which is fair. But I feel like that's normal for nonfiction or like self-help. Like it's just interesting to hear someone else's perspective and then you can kind of take what you want from it. You want to agree with every little bit. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like with my partner, I'm like, we're always like, it's not hard. Just like everybody do a little bit. Yeah. Like don't don't make one person do all the housework yeah. or like, you know, whatever. Like just split it up. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I liked it because it was like, oh, I feel like a lot of self-help books are not tangible and that frustrates me. Whereas this was mm. like, you can follow this exact plan if you want to, which I appreciated that. That's good. Because sometimes I'll read a whole self-help book and I'll be like, I have no idea what to do with the information. With I the knowledge read. that you've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was interesting. Speaking of domestic like duties and like all of your, you know, cleaning and house upkeep and lawn care and all that. Mm-hmm. We went to dinner with my family last night and I learned that my half sister is 
a hundred percent like she loves to mow the lawn. Ooh. Loves to mow a lawn and gets mad when someone else in her house mows her lawn. Wow. Does she have a riding lawn mower? No. It's a push mower, I think. She just loves it. Because a lot of the men in my life, I've recently learned that like their time on the riding mower is like their me time. Like they treasure it. I hate that journey for them because it's been (laughs) so hot outside. Yeah. Like our lawn went unmowed for a while until yesterday when it was like, oh, it's below... It's below 90 degrees. We yeah. can actually mow the lawn. Yeah. But I was like, you want to come mow my lawn? Really? Like somebody mows your, like, you know, come come on over. She was like, yeah. my neighbor mowed my lawn and I got so mad. Ooh. Just <laughs> wild. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. We fully pay a local couple that does it. And I say to my husband all the time that I feel like the time saved is totally worth the money we pay them. And that's so fair. Yeah. It's so annoying. Like to, I mean, not that I would be doing it. He would obviously be doing it. (laughs) But like the time that he's not out mowing the lawn when he can do other things. Uh It's very valuable, I think. It's worth the money. Yeah. Yeah. Split your chores. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Facts from the Stacks. We'll be right back. If you enjoy classic tales with new twists, retellings of old mythology, and learning about new cultures, join us for The Big Read. The Big Read, funded in part by the National Endowment for the Arts, is a two-month-long celebration of the book Circe by Madeline Miller. Circe is a retelling of the life of the Greek sorceress by the same name, giving her new life and showing her perspective. Circe, forced into exile to an island by herself, hones her various crafts, explores her need for human connection, and defines herself in a world of gods and men. Attend library events between September 15th and November 11th to get your free copy of Circe and read alongside the rest of Madison County. We will be involved in events all over Jackson, including the Jackson Symphony's Greek Fantasia concert. Check out our website, jmclibrary.org, for a full list of events. A lot of what I have um, has to do with American Sign Language, um, because that's what that's where I've been. Yeah. You know, I've been doing our ASL class here at the library for two years, um, like right at two years now. So um, it's been fun. I've learned a lot. And I think that it's important to like dig into the history and the culture and things like that. So that's what I will be focusing on a lot of. So I'll just, I'll just kind of dive in real quick with some basic stuff. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? So American Sign Language um, is a natural language. I had to look at what natural language is on. Yeah, I was just going to ask what that was. Quote, unquote. (laughs) So a natural language is just a language that people speak like socially. What's an example? Yeah. So so a constructed language would be something like code or binary or something that people don't speak and communicate with. Interesting. So it is um, a natural language that most people, that most deaf people in the U.S. and Canada use. 
Um, so about Canada, one of the big one of the big misconceptions is that ASL is universal. It is not. There are like a hundred different sign languages, just like there are a hundred different, you know, however many spoken languages we have in the world, right? With dialects and everything between. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's mostly the U.S. and. A good bit of Canada, though there is a French-Canadian sign language as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so... So along those lines, is there slang in ASL like there is regionally? So like Southern versus West Coast versus East Coast. Does that translate to ASL? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Um, The teacher of the ASL class here, Cheyenne... Um, who works with the Jackson Center for Independent Living. One of the stories that she tells that I love is that, so she's from Mississippi Mm -hmm. and she went to Indiana to get her degree for interpreting. Her teacher knew that she was from the South. Her teacher was deaf. Her Mm. professor was totally deaf, but knew she was like, oh, you're from the South. Whoa. And she's like, how do you know? Yeah. And so, so in ASL, the sign that we use in the South for ketchup <laughs> is you make a fist mm-hmm. and you like pat your fist like you, like the old glass jars of yeah, ketchup. Yeah, you're hitting the bottle. You're hitting the bottle. Okay. That's not what it is everywhere else. Really? In the North, they do a K and drop it down to a C like on the side of their face. Huh. So when Cheyenne signed ketchup, her teacher knew that she's from the South because that Southerners sign it that way. That is a funny story. I love, I love that, that so much. It's so good. Yeah. And then... Recently, we have brought in a deaf individual to help teach the class as well. Mm-hmm. And she said she signs ketchup. Uh, so three totally different ways to sign ketchup. And she's from somewhere in New York. Wow. So like three different ways to sign the same thing. That's so Just like we have accents and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I love that. That's one of my favorite stories she tells. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, so it does have regional variants and dialects and stuff like that. Um, So it's also important that people know it's not just hand movements. It's also your facial expressions Mm. and your body movement. And there's like a whole there's a whole thing to it that totally changes the context. You can't sign to someone that you're happy if you look mad like it doesn't like. It doesn't translate well um, unless you're like trying to like be sarcastic, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's um, mouth movements and like mouth shapes that you do with certain words um, that are like you'll be understood, but it will be harder to be understood if you don't do those. Okay. So there's a lot of people that don't know the mouth shapes. So like when you're when you're talking about something that's small, you you're supposed to like purse your lips together. So you're cool. like, um, <laughs> and like when you say something's big, you're supposed to not just make a mouth shape, but you're supposed to go. Interesting. It, it's just one of the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah, um, that helps add to the context. So huh. it's it's a lot more than just hand movements. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. That's my like basic little surface level stuff love it so what 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 kind of stuff do you have okay so um first of all i started grad school last week yes and i am seeking to earn my master's of library science we love to see it yeah to become an official librarian because if you didn't know you're not actually a librarian 
unless you have you have a degree the degree yes so fun fact yes (laughs) um but i was so i was doing my reading homework for my first class and i already found like a fun fact that i wanted to share Mm -hmm. and i thought oh i should share this on the podcast and then i thought it would be fun if maybe every podcast i could share some sort of fun fact a nugget of knowledge from your schooling from my schooling since it's relevant to our library podcast oh totally love that and then this one that stood out to me my first week kind of has to do with language so it just really worked out it it keeps falling into place like you're a little like the stuff you read and like everything just fits the lord is shining upon our podcast (laughs) (laughs) okay so what i learned about that i thought was so interesting was library hand See, and I've never heard of this. Yeah, me neither. So this was a style of handwriting that was taught in library school pre the typewriter. So originally the cards in the card catalog were handwritten. Right. Because which, like I think I assumed that, but I didn't realize there was like a standard type of handwriting mm-hmm. that you trained in. So that way uniformity and legibility were enforced in the cards in the card catalog. That's wild. And then when I did more research about it today before we recorded, I learned that it was developed and perfected by Melville Dewey, who invented the Dewey Decimal System, and Thomas Edison. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the the like final form, which obviously this is a podcast, but I encourage you to Google it because it's really cute and fun to look at the type of handwriting that it looks like. It's To me, it looks like your grandmother's precise cursive like it's just really lovely cursive in my opinion but apparently it was based on thomas Hed- thomas edison's actual handwriting it, like that yeah oh my gosh yeah um and it had this quote that said from thomas edison i had perfected a style of handwriting which would allow me to take legibly from the wire longhand 47 and even 54 words a minute So not only was the uniformity and the legibility important, obviously, in the cards, but also the speed. So like in library school, you you were trained to write this way, but also to write so many words per minute, kind of like typing nowadays. Whoa. Because you needed to get through those cards quickly. And I read, too, that it. Um, There was also instructions like in the library school textbook about library hand for like your posture and like what type of pencils and pens and erasers to use. It was like a whole thing. Whoa. So I just thought that was fascinating. And then um, in my textbook that I was reading for class, it talked about how. um, So the teaching of library hand declined after the typewriter became mainstream. So now card catalog cards were written with the typewriter and my textbook talked about how at first the patrons were really annoyed by this because previously you know back in the 1800s and early 1900s libraries were like one single room right so the librarians you know in the corner writing out her cards that's quiet (laughs) but then when the typewriter came around now she's in the corner clanking out her cards and the patrons were very annoyed by this because it was loud and secondly a lot of patrons thought that the um handwritten cards in the catalog were more aesthetically pleasing than the typewritten cards wow i guess it just depends on your aesthetic but yeah Yeah. i can see that being. i just thought that was such a fun slice of history like it's so different than how our world is now that you're like wow what a fun thing that people were mad about the typewriter for that specific reason yeah on so on each of these little examples of the library hand there's this little like i don't 
not a quote, I guess, but like it's an example, but they all say the same thing. Mm -hmm. It says, take great pains to have all writing uniform in size, blackness of lines, slant, spacing, and forms of letters. Yeah. And they yeah, all the say that. Yeah, the slant was talked about too, so like they need to be... I think that's so interesting. That It really is. Like, talk about being ahead of their time accessibility-wise so that, you know, hopefully everybody could read it that could read handwriting, obviously. Yeah, right. Yeah. Libraries. <laughs> Fascinating. Go libraries. Yeah. That's so cool. I so love that. So welcome to week one of Fun Facts from Grad School. <laughs> wow. I love that. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go over, like, a brief history of, like, what... ASL, like how ASL started, like the history of ASL. Yes, can't wait um, to hear. So, in the early 1800s, mm -hmm. uh, a man by the name of Thomas Gallaudet, mm -hmm. he was a hearing person, he was a minister and a graduate from Yale. He met and became friends with a deaf girl named Alice. And he saw all these kids playing and he saw her kind of like over by herself. And he had been a, um, he had been doing mission work and he came home and during his visit home is when he met her. So over his break from doing mission work, he was teaching her the alphabet and teaching her like how to write words and things by drawing in the dirt with a stick. And so he continued to try to teach her, became friends with her father, who then tried to encourage Gallaudet to become involved with schools for the deaf, hmm. which at the time there weren't really in America. I was going to ask, the like, if there were, what were they teaching? Yeah. So there, there weren't really <laughs> okay. at the time. So in... 1815, Gallaudet went to Europe to try and find the best methods of teaching deaf children. Okay. And so he went through a bunch of school systems. He went through, at the time, he went through asylums as well because a lot of deaf or mute or blind people would be put in asylums uh, because, you know, difficult. Mental illness or, equals, or not mental illness, disability equals crazy. Correct. <laughs> yes. So um, none of them wanted to share any of their knowledge with him. Oh, interesting. So finally, he met with a director um, from the Paris School of the Deaf, a man by the name of Sicard. Um, and he met two of his deaf pupils, one of which was named Laurent Clerc, who were teachers at the school in Paris. Um, they were giving demonstrations in England of how to teach the deaf using sign language. And so... Gallaudet ended up persuading Laurent Clerc to come back with him to the United States. And in 1817, the first American school for the deaf was established in Hartford, Connecticut. Hmm. So a lot of what they did was take French sign language um, as a base and they found deaf deaf communities and spoke to different deaf individuals and families to kind of combine French sign language, home signs and different like localized Okay, so people were like already that. signing on their own just to get by. Right. So a, their own community. Yes. Okay. So a lot of there are a lot of deaf people who if they are raised by hearing families 
um, if they don't have access to deaf education and ASL, then they will learn home signs. Mm. Um, so you just kind of end up figuring out how to communicate. Yeah, and it could be sense. totally different from what ASL actually is. Yeah. Um, but they combined those things to make ASL. Yeah. Um, so they found that um, today, if you look at modern ASL, 58% of modern signs in ASL were inherited from old French sign language. Hmm. Um, so Gaudet again, was, um, he opened this school. His children were also very involved with deaf communities. Um, and his son helped found Gaudet University, which is the world's only university with a curriculum dedicated to deaf and hard of hearing students. Wow. Yeah. Um, So there's a Netflix show based kind of around that um, called uh, Deaf You. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh Um, That was, I think, written and I don't know about produced, but written by Niall DeMarco, who is the deaf man who won America's Next Top Model several yes, years back. Yes, you were telling me about him. Yeah. Did you already say this, where the university is? Um, Gallaudet is in, in Washington, D.C. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how ASL got its start. Um, very heavily based on French sign, sign language and, you know, kind of a combined effort of this man who just had a passion for yeah, communicating cool. with deaf people. Um, and, you know, this deaf Frenchman that decided to come back to the U.S. and start a school. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, kind of crazy. We'll be right back with more Facts from the Stacks. Have you had a hobby on your mind for a while, but don't know where to start? No time to go to a class, but you want to start somewhere? The library has resources for you. Universal Class is an online resource where you can take a class on almost anything. Cooking, baking, knitting, painting, drawing, accounting, and so, so much more. Each class can be done at your own pace, and you can even get continuing education credit when you finish. Find out how to start learning for free at jmclibrary.org. All right, so as we said, 400 to 410... Yes. In the Dewey Decimal System. Yes. Is language. So I just kind of looked up some general facts about that. Mm-hmm. So 403 is the call number for dictionaries, encyclopedias, and concordances. Okay. Which I just thought was kind of interesting. Because yeah. if you're like, where is the dictionary in the library? You know, uh-huh. kind of a deeper question than you might think. Yeah. Or not deeper, but, you know, who would know to look at 403? Yeah. Unless you were a librarian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then some fun titles that could be cataloged in the 400 to 410s that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, which is the Zero Tolerance Approach to Punctuation. Oh. I don't know if you've heard of that book. But I think I have. Yeah, because yeah. it's like funny. Like, it, you know, those memes about where you comma. Putting the Oxford comma and all that. Yeah. yeah. So that one. And then Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, the children's book. That's like all about the alphabet and the sounds. Oh. Yeah. And then Hop on Pop. That's another one that you yeah. can find over there. So I that's those interesting. Wow. How yeah. fun. So like I mentioned, 
ASL is not universal. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, there's a ton of different sign languages. If you know ASL and you look at like British sign language, you will not be able to get anything. Wow, that's Because American sign language, we do hand shapes that kind of correlate with what the letter looks like yeah, a a little bit in most cases, but British sign language, they point to different places on their hand. Oh, so they're like A, B, C, like, yeah, it's a lot more memorization, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's a lot different, but um, sign language was also used in America before ASL was introduced. So like we said, there were Mm -hmm. deaf communities. Um, So, there is what is known as Plains Indian Sign Language. Ooh. There were 37 different spoken languages from Native American tribes mm. that were all able to communicate using this one sign language. Wow, how efficient. Including Pawnee, Wichita, Apache, Navajo, Cheyenne, Ojibwa, Sioux, and Spokane Native Americans. Huh. Like, so all of them were able to use plain sign language to communicate with each other, even if they didn't speak the same language. That's really cool. It's very interesting. Um, but also, have you heard of Martha's Vineyard? Yes. Okay, so Martha's Vineyard um, is an island south of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And in the past, it had a very highly, it had a high deaf population. Really? Um People moved there and they had, they were genetically, like, genetically deaf. Right. So that trait became passed down. And so in the early, you know, in 1700s through the 1800s, you know, it was like you didn't just leave the island and go mainland and like you kind of stayed close to home. Sure. Um, So there were a lot of people who were genetically deaf. They were. You know, they had sisters and cousins that were deaf. And so almost everyone on the island knew sign language, whether they were deaf or not. Oh, wow. And it was their own specific. And to this day, it's called Martha's Vineyard Sign Language. Really? Uh-huh. Now, they have used it less. Um, but um, the town with the highest deaf population had a one in 155 deaf people. Hmm. Opposed to the normal average of one in 5,700. Whoa. So, like, significantly higher ratio of deaf yeah. people to hearing people. Um, when Gallaudet opened the American School for the Deaf, um, Martha's Vineyard Sign Language started to become less popular because people who were deaf in Martha's Vineyard went to the school and then came back with sign American sign language. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then as travel became easier, genetic deafness stopped being so prevalent um, because we had more hearing people coming to the Island. We had deaf people that were able to come mainland and go elsewhere. So it just became less popular. So um, Martha's Vineyard sign language is Probably one of those that you would see. It's not a totally dead language, but, Mm. you know, it's not as used. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are a lot of people in 
Martha's Vineyard who are still trying to reintroduce ASL culturally to be like, this was part of what, you know, this was 200 years of our history. Yeah. We were, you know, we were known because all of us knew how to sign. So let's embrace that culture again. Yeah. Um, which I just, I love and think is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. so interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it was ASL was not the first sign language. It's not universal. Um, but it's it's great. It's fun. I love it. All right. So as I mentioned, punctuation is a topic that falls under the 400 to 410s. Yes. And so I decided to look up some fun facts about punctuation because why not? So. In Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, he uses six semicolons in one sentence. I really hate that. Yeah. As someone who writes a lot, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to use semicolons yeah, me neither. effectively. Same. <laughs> like I will use a comma all day long. I'll use a hyphen. Yeah. Like I can't Sometimes I do it like and I'm like, I'm being brave, you know? Yeah. I'm just really putting myself out here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Six in one sentence, though. <laughs> yeah, I brought the sentence with me, so here Oh, we go. <laughs> please. At such a time, I found out for certain that this bleak place overgrown with nettles was the churchyard, semicolon, and that Philip Pirip, late of this parish, and also Georgiana, wife of the above, were dead and buried, semicolon, and that Alexander, Bartholomew, Abraham, Tobias, and Roger, infant children of the aforesaid, were also dead and buried, semicolon, and that the dark, flat wilderness beyond the churchyard intersected with dikes and mounds and gates with scattered cattle feeding on it was the marshes, semicolon, and that the low laden line beyond was the river, semicolon, and that the distant savage lair from which the wind was rushing was the sea, semicolon, and that the small bundle of shivers growing afraid of it all and beginning to cry was Pip. Just use a period. Yeah, I don't know why that all needed to be one sentence. (laughs) Like, is it technically the correct use of a semicolon? I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think it is. But, like, I also... He just needed to have all of those lists be in one sentence for some reason. the whole thing for a semicolon is that it's supposed to be a separate but related sentence. Right. But, like, I get it, but... That's a little excessive. Yeah. He really took liberties with that, I feel. Uh, Wow. That's (laughs) impressive. Yeah. I would never be so brave. No. But if you're going to be a brave writer, Charles Dickens is the one to do it. He's the one. Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, So some previous uses of punctuation. So back in the day, we used to put an apostrophe before words like cello and bus and a period after words like gym and deli. To denote abbreviation. That it was words. an abbreviation. Yeah. So like autobus, remove the auto apostrophe. And like gym, period, gymnasium. gymnasium. Yeah. Whoa. So they used to use punctuation to denote those abbreviated words. And like to some effect, like, I don't know, I guess as a as a writer, I do that to some effect. Like when I'm splicing a word, I guess, like you know how we, as people who live in the South, if someone were to say digging mm-hmm. instead of digging, mm-hmm. 
like I'll put a little apostrophe right, on the end. Like the G letter. is cut off here. Yeah. But like So we still do wow. that in some but scenarios. like so so many common words like gym, like yeah, we know it's gymnasium. Yeah. But like I I have never once considered gym period. Yeah. Or like I guess like Sometimes when I take notes or something, I would put a period on an abbreviated word like information, info period. Info period. But not like in a sentence, I guess. Yeah. Is the distinction. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Oh, punctuation became necessary with the advent of printing because um, it was needed to organize organize written language for the masses. So before, even in writing, like a lot of tradition was oral history. Right. So gestures and inflections would impart the meaning, even if you were like reading something that was handwritten. Right. So once mass printing became a thing, that's when punctuation really became a thing. Because you needed to know how to read the sentence. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, that does make yeah. sense. You need to know where to pause or where to, like, take a breath. Right. Or, yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Just not considered it before. Exactly. Okay, this one I thought was extra interesting. The question mark. So, mm. from, like, working from origin to the question mark. So, step one... They, in Latin, they used to just end question sentences with the word questio, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O. Okay. So, like, instead of the question mark, it said the actual word. And then that got abbreviated to Q-O. And then that, they used to write it or type it Q above the O, so, like, in one space. And so then that got translated <laughs> to the curvy line and the dot. And then that's how we got the question marks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that interesting? That's wild. And so similarly with the exclamation point, the word IO, IO, spelled IO, means an exclamation of joy. And so similarly, they <sighs> used to shorthand it by putting the I above the O. And then that got translated to the exclamation point. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, mind blown. That's mind blowing. <laughs> it really is. So interesting. My favorite to, to interject with like how you denote a question. My mm-hmm. favorite thing about ASL is that when you're asking a question, the difference in you signing it is if you raise your eyebrows or not. <laughs> if you're so asking sassy. a yes or no, you like raise your eyebrows like yes or no. Or if you're um, if you're asking like an, a question you need an answer to, you just like furrow your eyebrows. So like, so really ignoring someone in ASL is even more rude than in spoken English. Yeah, because like, yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting. Hello. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, and then the last one is kind of along those same lines. So ampersand, which is the and mm-hmm. symbol, that used to be the twenty seventh letter of the alphabet. Apparently, so like school children, when you're reciting the alphabet, it would be like X Y Z. And per se, and. And then that got shorthanded to ampersand. <laughs> and then something else I learned about it, which I didn't know, like even modern day, this is denoted. So in ampersand means like even more closely related, I guess, than the word and. Oh. So the example that I read was in movie credits, if you saw like Shane ampersand Kelly, that means you and I worked closely together on that thing. Whereas if it said Shane and D Kelly, that means we both worked on it, but separately. separately. 
Whoa. Yeah. So do I need to change the description of the pod Probably to have an ampersand? ampersand. Exactly. Yeah. For example, yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who knew that punctuation facts would be so mind-blowing? <laughs> well, it's because it's so common and, yeah. like, we don't think about it. Yeah, learning the origins of everyday stuff, I feel like, is especially That is thrilling. the special stuff, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's it the really secret is. sauce to life right there. It really is. It really is. <laughs> Our final facts and quiz segment will be right after this break. Do you love doing art projects but never really have the space to do them? Do you want to try something new but you're a little afraid to buy everything only to find out you don't really like it? The Libraries Makerspace has tons of supplies for you to tackle your arts and crafts projects. Every Monday at 11, you can try your hand at watercolor painting, paper craft, knitting, sculpting, and so much more. Plus, you'll listen to a podcast in the meantime. Busy hands, fun listening. Come create with us. So, mm. sign names are generally given to... Um, not everyone has a sign name. Like, if someone has a very short name, you still fingerspell it. But... Um, Sign names are given based on your appearance or your personality or some like specific trait that really defines you. Mm -hmm. um, but those have to be given to you by a deaf individual. Okay, the question that pops into my head about this is, mm -hmm. does that mean all celebrities have sign names? Correct. Okay. Um, actually, we could look some up. I know. It seemed really pop culture-y when you started introducing. I was like, oh, that Oh, yeah. We could look some up. That. that doesn't translate well to audio recording. Right. We should look some up. Yeah, that um, But, like, Cheyenne, our ASL interpreter yes. that teaches, hers is a C because she's, you know... Cheyenne, see, mm -hmm. and you tap it next to your mouth because she's always smiling. Aww, so that's, that's her sign true. name. Yeah. So like that's that's kind of a general thing. So Gallaudet glasses, that mm -hmm. was his physical trait. It was the 1800s. Glasses weren't like commonplace, you know. Oh, yeah. They he were a like fancy a item. Guy. Yeah. So and then the scar on Laurent Clerc's face, like I said. Scar face, literally. Yeah, right. So <laughs> those are ways to shorthand someone's name so you don't have to fingerspell it every time. Um, yeah, so that's a little fun thing. Have you received a sign name? I have not yet received a sign name. That's when you know you've made it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we shall see how that goes. Yeah. We have, I mean, we do have a deaf teacher now. So Ooh, your moment might be coming. My, the moment might be coming. <laughs> um, deaf culture... Um, because sign language is not just really a language. It's also, there's so much culture around mm -hmm. it. Um, deaf culture, um, just a couple things that I have learned is that when you refer to someone who cannot hear, mm -hmm. you call them capital D deaf, deaf or hard of hearing. Don't you, they do not view themselves as disabled individuals. Okay. Um, they do not like to be called hearing impaired. That's those are not the terms that they identify with. Gotcha. Um, because they are, you know, they're like, we can do anything that anyone else can do. We just can't hear. Yeah. You know, um, so that's a huge cultural thing for them, um, which I thought was important to share. Yes. That reminded me, too. I've talked to you about this already, but my number one guilty pleasure TV show that comes out every summer is Big Brother. Uh -huh. I'm obsessed. And on this season, <laughs> there is a deaf 
player. Yes. And but he's also an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> so he's really doing it all. Wild. But yeah. the reason what you said reminded me of him because he always makes not always, but he makes a lot of jokes about it. Uh-huh. Like um they were all meeting, you know, because there's like alliances and they're trying to like achieve stuff in the house or whatever. And so his alliance was meeting and uh, the girl, one of the girls was like, oh, yeah, we all need to be each other's eyes and ears. And he was like, well, not all of us. Not all of us. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> and, you know, it, I love that we're getting more like in television, you know, you're seeing more sign language used. You're seeing, you know, more deaf individuals as well. Yeah, because it's this is the 25th season, and he's the first deaf person That's to ever wild. be on the show. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have our lovely other guilty pleasure show, The Circle, in which Circle. we had the wonderful Raven. Yes, shout out to Raven. I forgot about Raven. I love her so much. Yeah. So really, The Circle is ahead of. Yeah. All reality television. Yes, it's a garbage show, but I love it. No, it's not. It's, it's so beautiful. Good. It's great. It's great. Um, but yeah, so that's just a little thing that I felt was important to share. Yeah, no, that's good to know. Um, so before we get into quiz territory, I have just a couple of signs that are like commonly used gestures that w- that people might not realize come from sign language. Ooh, yeah. Um, so I love you. Right. Okay. Yes. That's sign language. Does I love rock you. on have anything to do with rock and roll? No, it doesn't. It not that I saw. I looked a little bit into that, mm. but the I love you is literally I. Mm-hmm. So the letter I. Okay. L. L. And Y, but they're all together. Oh, I love that. So, but then wow. there's also I really love you because this is your R. Oh. Yeah. That is so really, beautiful. I, I just, I love it. It's just shorthand little, yeah. So I like that. Wow. Um, crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's, you know. So fun. So before ASL, how did you be like, yo, this person be crazy? <laughs> I, so I don't know if, I guess I, I shouldn't say that those, I don't know that those started with ASL and then oh, became, or if adopted ASL adopted it. those, okay, gotcha. but they're the same. Yeah. And then if you're like, you know, if someone's like, Oh, how was your, you know, how was your day at work? And you're like, eh, mm-hmm. so, so yeah. that's also ASL. Interesting. Like, so, you know, it was okay or sort that. of, or yeah, you know, just <laughs> wait. Yeah. Yeah. Just wiggle your hand a little bit. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's that part. <laughs> this has been so fun. Like when you first drew this topic, we went to the shelves and we have like literally no books in this call number. And we yeah. were both like, um, not sure what to do with this, but wow, I've had a jolly good time. Oh, with yeah. this topic. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I love, I could, and <laughs> I feel like getting this topic was like, I could feel Rachel breathing over me. <laughs> Rachel is one of our circulation clerks and she she's a linguist major. Yeah. Like that's her she's that's like her degree. In ASL, she is right? very she's very, would very you describe it as fluent? Um so there's different levels. I would say she's definitely fluent. She can definitely speak it. But like easily. is that the word that you would use? Fluent for is ASL? the word you would use, yeah. Um I would say she's probably definitely fluent. She can have a conversation. I have gotten to a point where I can. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah, you're um, really doing it's it. It's been fun. But I, as soon as we started like talking about language and I was looking over this, I was like, Rachel's going to go crazy over this. <laughs> um, she loves language so yeah. much. Being able to talk about ASL for me 
you know, it, it's been a fun journey because when I was little, like too little to really remember, my mom had a deaf friend oh, okay. that she she was a um, manager at a property company. Okay. And so one of her tenants was a deaf man oh. who took a liking to me and my mom. Yeah. And so like I've always had an interest in ASL. Yeah. And I've just never had the ability to do it yeah. until I got here. And it was like, we can have these classes. We have these resources, you know, um, I can learn. And now with Rachel being here, I've got someone I can sign at yeah. pretty much every day and practice and stay practiced. Uh, the um, library. Yeah. Am I right? It's, it's been fun. Mm. I love because I've, it's, it's one of those things that I'm like, this is actually a skill that is important. Absolutely. It's a thing that I love that is an important skill. Yeah. And that's so, good when it connects with your job. That's fun. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of the secret sauce of life, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Love your job. <laughs> All right. And then I have a quiz. Woohoo! So the quiz um, is going to be a loan words quiz. Ooh. Um, so I'm going to give you a word that we use commonly, uh-huh. a loan word that is from another language. Oh, L-O-A-N. Yes, loan. Like a library loan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you're, I want you to tell me, if you can, what what it means when we say it, mm-hmm. what a literal translation might be, mm-hmm. and then what language it comes from. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Number one. Mm-hmm. Sayonara. That's Japanese. That is Japanese. When we say it, it means... Bye-bye. Yes, goodbye. (laughs) And I assume it means the same in Japanese. They use it for the same effect, but literal translation is, if it be so. Ooh, kisara. If it it be so that we are to part, goodbye. Oh, that is It's very deep. Yeah, I like it. That reminds me of, like, Lord Willing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lord Willing and the Creeks don't rise. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like that. See you later. Sayonara. Yeah. (laughs) If it be so. If it be so. Yeah. Um, Number two. C'est la vie. Such is life. Is the literal translation? The literal. Yeah. It's that's life. And that's French. It's French. Yeah. And. That's kind of how we use it. Yeah. That's kind of how we use it. Like. Oh, that's life. I feel like it translates modernly to YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Say lovey. That's life. That's life. (laughs) Um, Number three, bric a brac. Bric a brac. Are you familiar with bric a brac? I've heard of this. Is that like, um, like flotsam and jetsam? Like random stuff? Yeah. 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 But I don't know where it comes from. Okay, so it's also French. Ah, bric a brac. It doesn't sound French. Yeah, no, it sounds very Um, American. (laughs) But it is. Literal translation, it is at random, any old way. Oh. It's trinkets and baubles and yeah. your knickknacks. Your knickety knackies. Your knickknacks, yeah. yeah. Brick a brack. Brick a brack. That's right, knickknack. That's what I was looking for. Brick-a-brack. Yeah, your knickknacks. I yeah. feel like like an older generation use brick a brack. I feel like that's for true. knickknack than I. Yeah. Maybe. Do we do we say knickknacks? I guess we say knickknacks. That's what the aisle is called at Goodwill. Is it really? That's funny. But, you know, like figurines. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Number four, aficionado. Aficionado in English means like an expert. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I will say the literal translation is pretty much the same. It's a is fan it or a supporter. It's Spanish. Okay, yeah, because auto means. I didn't think it was Spanish. In my brain, for some reason, it was Italian. Aficionado. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It sounded much more Italian to me. Yeah. No, I didn't think it was. Sp- I was doubting myself because I was like, oh, well, ADO is like a Spanish ending of a word. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, it doesn't really sound Spanish. Yeah, it, it is. It is Spanish. Um, number five, prima donna. A prima donna is like a diva. Uh huh. Do you uh, know what the literal translation is? Prima donna. Is it Italian? It is Italian. Okay. And then part three, literal. Prima donna. Is Donna like a woman? It is. Okay. Lady. Prima. Lady. Prima. Primo is cousin in Spanish. <laughs> a cousin lady. A cousin lady. No, it's first lady. Oh, first. Primero. First, pre, yeah, yeah. Um, so because the first lady of an opera was the oh, prima donna. the star. But then that came to mean a diva. derogatively. Yes. For so, that were um, sassy. Who's the character in Phantom? I forgot her name. Oh, shoot. It's right here. <laughs> Carlotta. 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 What a prima donna name. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So she was the first lady in both ways. Love that. Um, zeitgeist. That's German. Sure is. Um, the zeitgeist means like the inception of something, the start. And I always know it from like World War II, like the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. So it is literally and kind of... The meaning we use it for is the spirit of the times, the like what the times, times, what the times felt like. So, like if you're talking about the zeitgeist of the 1920s, it's partying and like you know the roaring twenties. Uh, so is that why I associated my head with World War II because it's like the German zeitgeist, like so pro-German times. Right, you're right. (laughs) It can mean whatever spirit of the times might be. Right, and the spirit of those times was German Mm -hmm. is life. (laughs) You're right, right. Uh, Futon. Futon. (laughs) I love that word. A futon is a temporary bed Uh slash couch. Uh Uh-huh. Is that Chinese or Japanese? No, it's Japanese. And I don't know what it means. It's a group of cloths. Cloths, I love that. So, like, that. you know, just cloths on the floor. Like, cloths on the floor. My grandmother would say, make your palette. I was going to say, okay, I didn't know. We don't use that in the West Coast. But, yeah. yeah, when you're talking about, literally, when you're any man I've met here and you're talking about sleeping over your grandmother's house when you were a child. Make your palette. Your palette, yes. <laughs> is your group of cloths. Yeah, it's my own futon. See, when I slept at my aunt's house, she literally had a futon in the closet. Oh and my you would God. pull that out. So it's kind of luxurious compared to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. <laughs> Love sleeping on the floor. Yeah, get your palette. Yeah, get the palette. <laughs> um, and the last one, kindergarten. That is German also. It is. Kinder means child. Yep. Right? Yep. And I don't know what garden means. Garden? Yeah. Oh. Ch- children's garden. The garden of children. The garden of children. Oh, I love that. It's where children so grow. Oh! together until you said it. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. There you wow, go. Wow, that's beautiful. There you have it. Great quiz. Yeah. That was a fun quiz. <laughs> that was a fun quiz. Woohoo. All right. I think that is our episode for today. All right. And should we do our roulette number right now just for fun and games? Generate a random number between one and one thousand? Or zero and one thousand, I yeah. guess. Yeah. 
just to get the crowd stimulated. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, $7.94. $7.94, I know this because I shelve this in children's, is something to do with movies and television. Oh. Which I'm excited because that was my major in school. <laughs> okay, let's see. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, what is it? It's close. So $7.94 is Indoor Games of Skill. You're right. I'm doing this wrong. Okay, so seven. I think $7.93 might be like movies and television, and then $7.96 is sports. Yeah. So $7.94 is like, like, that's where Minecraft, I think, is shelved. Oh, we love that. And Pokemon. I, oh, and magic. Don't get me started. <laughs> This is this is the perfect number for yes, me. Yes, excellent. Personally. So what is 793? 793's indoor games and amusements. Okay, amusements maybe. Um our next episode will be on indoor games of skill. Woo-hoo! Whatever that may mean. That sounds like it's going to be real nerdy. Oh god, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> Shane is ready. I'm ready. Love Thank that. you for joining us today. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for listening. Yeah. We had a good time. I hope you learned something about language. Yeah. Au revoir. (laughs) Bon voyage.